Okay, session four. What is God's answer to suffering? Is a question that our study will answer for us today. Uh, so let's be attentive and uh, listen to what God is saying, not just verbally, but as God ministers to us through His still small voice. You know, He still does that, right? Uh, he will say something to you that He's not saying to anybody else, simply because that is just for you or me. So let's listen attentively to what God has to say. Hmm? No books. We have a copy of the lesson. Okay. Thank you. All right. We begin with, uh, as usual, question number one on page 118. Which famous conspiracy theory would you most like to see resolved? What famous conspiracy theory you would most like to see resolved. Donald Trump's. <laughs> Say what? <laughs> 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 huh? This is a lesson for today. Only today. Yes. Yeah. Um, well, Donald Trump's a brief impeachment? Yeah. <laughs> That, that may end uh, on Monday. Wednesday? That may end, uh, end on Wednesday. Okay. So you'll have your answer then. Okay. Any others? Assassinations of famous people that have not yet been resolved? What about the uh, JFK? Yes. That's still a conspiracy theory, right? Uh, people are still trying to figure that one out. Yes. Okay. That's the one that comes to mind for me. Okay. Um, Let's look at Bible Meets Life, uh, page 119. The world holds a lot of mystery for small children, and they're not afraid to ask questions. Why is the sky blue? How high is up? Are there more leaves in the world or blades of grass? Why is water wet? We can smile at the innocence of, uh, uh, behind these questions, but most of us struggle to answer them. There's an answer, of course, but try explaining it to a four-year-old. We like having the answers, but sometimes we just don't know enough. <coughs> Television and the internet are jam-packed with programs and sites devoted to unsolved mysteries and offering them solutions and answers. But in the end, Sometimes we have to admit, we just don't know. Our walk with God is no different. We want answers, but many times the ways of God are just beyond our understanding. In those moments, we can decide to doubt God or trust Him. Job's encounter with God shows us why trust is always the best way. Always the best way. So we want answers about the ways God, ways of God that are just beyond our understanding. We always want those answers, right? <coughs> We're always looking for answers. What is the point? God's actions are often beyond our understanding, but we can trust Him. Okay. Beyond our understanding, but. Don't you like those buts? <laughs> We don't like unresolved mysteries. We want science to give us the why behind the way things work. As we continue to learn and discover, many of those mysteries will be solved. 
But one mystery is far beyond us, the ways God works in the world. Many aspects of his character and work are seen in his word and affirmed through our own experience, but not everything. Job was reminded how far God is above our understanding. And we'll see some interesting things uh, and some interesting encounters uh, in our lesson today with Job and God in that regard. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us to trust you with things that we don't understand about you. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay, um, before we look at the passages we have, let me give you the setting. Ancient wisdom literature sometimes tried to resolve theodicies, questions about God's role in evil or suffering in the world. The book of Job represents a biblical response to this prickly theological issue. And it can be very prickly sometimes. The session, the session passages from last week introduced the accusations of Job's friends and Job's defense of his integrity. This week's passages define his suffering from God's perspective. The Lord spoke to Job and his friends from a storm and challenged their assumptions about sin, suffering, and self-righteousness. And that's what we're going to see today in our study. God challenging uh, the assumptions of Job and his three friends in their encounter. So let's look at the first passage we have. Uh, Job chapter 40, verses 1 to 5. Who want to take that first one? That's a short one. I'll take it. Okay. <laughs> um, the Lord answered Job, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who argues with God give an answer. Then Job answered the Lord, I am so insignificant. How can I answer you? I place my hand over my mouth. I have spoken once, and I will not reply. Twice, but now I can add nothing. Most of the book of Job, chapters 3 to 37, centers on the opinions and advice of Job's three friends, his defense, and a final speech by a young man named Elihu. When we come to Job 38, however, it's God's turn to speak. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. He said, Who is this who obscures my counsel with ignorant words? Job 38, 1-2. For two full chapters, God questioned Job, and in the process showed the distressed man just how little he knew. It was obvious to Job that he had no answers to God's questions, but God knows both the how and the why. Now in chapter 40, God concluded this string of questions with perhaps the most poignant one. Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who argues with God give an answer. This is a humbling question and one to which Job can only respond, I am so insignificant. How can I answer you? Job's words to God are drenched in humility. He confessed his insignificance in comparison to God 
and acknowledged he had no more questions for God. I place my hand over my mouth. I can add nothing. Like Job, we cannot understand why everything happens. We cannot fathom all of the ways God acts and why he sometimes chooses not to act. Paul alluded to this when he reminded us that our current vision is clouded by the circumstances and sin of the world. For now, we see only a reflection as in a mirror, but then face to face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully as I am fully known. 1 Corinthians 13, 12. The good news is that one day we will see clearly. When we are able to look into the face of the Lord Jesus, all fear, doubt, and pain will be replaced with understanding and love. However, until that day, we have a lot of questions that may remain unanswered. I, Candace, was teaching second grade when I realized I needed to get one thing across to my students. The teacher is the boss. For example, if I decided that one student should do one thing and another do something else, I would inevitably hear, that's not fair, or why is he doing that? I knew why I was doing what I was doing. I had a plan for how one student learned, while another benefited from a different strategy. I was the adult in charge, and they were too young to really understand all that was happening. They just had to trust me. We're often like those second graders. We want all the answers, but we just have to trust God. He's in charge, and he knows why he does what he does. Mm. <laughs> Interesting, isn't it? Notice verse 1. The Lord answered Job. Now, um, through most of the book that bears his name, Job had defended himself. Uh, we saw last week how he defended himself against all the accusations of his, what we might call, so-called friends, because of how they accused him and ridiculed him and carried on about him. So they could be in that, in that category of being called so-called friends, right? They had charged him with sin that they couldn't prove, and Job refused to confess something that he, that he didn't do. Yet they were badgering him to confess. As the intensity of, debate in, of the debate increased, Job turned his attention to God. At points, he even challenged the Lord to come down to explain himself. All right? And we saw that. Um, we'll see that as we move on. Then beginning in chapter <coughs> 38, uh, we see that God took Job up on his demands. He spoke to Job through the powerful storm. And verse 1 says, And the Lord answered Job. And he peppered him with questions that reminded Job who was the creator and who was the creation. Right? The text states that the Lord answered Job. While this may be a short verse, it's full of power. The Hebrew phrase includes the covenant name of God and indicates he was completely plugged in to Job's suffering and his verbal challenges. Sometimes we think God isn't plugged in. We think God is distant somewhere. There's a whole lot of war raging in the Middle East and God must be busy out there doing something with that. So he's not really plugged into our situation. All right. And sometimes, sometimes we like Job. 
And then verse 2 says, Will the one who contends with the Almighty correct him? Let him who argues with God give an answer. Notice, in a sense, God called Job out for his tantrums. Job was like a little small, spoiled child throwing a tantrum. It finally got to that point for Job. Tantrum against the Lord. He noted that the one who contends with the Almighty should follow through with his boasting. The one who argues with God should give an answer for his accusations. Now God gave, the chance, gave Job the chance to make his case or to give a rebuttal against God's questions. In other words, Job had overtly accused God of mistreating him and being unjust. In a roundabout way, he did that. Right? Not point blank. Not outrightly. In a roundabout way. Even though his comments were made in the middle of a passionate defense, the Lord wanted to make sure Job realized the gravity of his words. God had built a case with no legal loopholes. And he challenged God, Job, to find a weakness in his argument. God was reminding Job in a not-so-subtle way that he was the one who was in control. Just like the story of the teacher that we just read about. The teacher asks the student to do something and the child, well, why does he have to do that? Or why do I? Job, God is doing the same thing here with Job. Reminding Job that he's the one in control and he had been from the very beginning. There was never a point when he was not in control is what God is trying to get across to Job. As a result, God placed Job in a situation where he had to step back from his statements. He had criticized God. Now he had to admit that he had no basis for his comments. This doesn't mean that God never allows us to question him. God wants us to question him. He wants us to ask questions. That's what children do with their parents, right? All the time. Every human, including Christian, sometimes wonders what God is doing. We may even shout out in desperation. Of course, God is not afraid of our questions, and he's not offended by our frustration either. But he does challenge us to trust him, even when things don't make sense to our human minds. Remember that book by Dr. James Bart Dobson? Remember that book? How many of you read that book? What, Trusting God When God Doesn't Make Sense? A lot of stories in there about things that happened uh, in the lives of people that really, they just could not figure it. This made no sense. But God did it and allowed it to happen anyway. So Job's response, Job approached God with honesty and humility. And then Job confessed he was insignificant. The Hebrew word literally means little or lightweight. So Job said to God, Lord, you know I'm a little light, I'm a lightweight. Right? It reflected whom he now under whom he now understand himself to be, compared to who he was to God, who he is to God, who he, who to God he is. Job stated that the best thing he could do was to place my hand over my mouth. And this was a sign of respect. He would, sim he would symbolically stop talking until he actually knew what he was talking about. Don't you wish some people would do that sometimes? Mm -hmm. <laughs> 
They don't, they don't know what they're talking about. My wife has a brother who calls her sometimes. And he's on the phone and he's running on and on. I said, you know, Jen, what did Gary call you? I don't know. He just goes on and on and on. He starts something, he doesn't finish, and he goes on with something else. And sometimes we, we confront people like that. Job admitted that he was not qualified to answer God's line of questions. Centuries later, the prophet Isaiah would state that humanity's ways and thoughts don't come close to measuring up to God's ways and thoughts. Isaiah 55, 8 and 9. In his classic work, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis wrote, when you argue against him, you are arguing against the very power that makes you able to argue at all. It is like cutting off the branch you are sitting on. Mm. Ever thought about that? Job was learning that lesson firsthand cutting off the branch that he was sitting on. That could be very painful. Especially when the branch is high. So in poetic language, Job apologized to God. He had spoken once, and his words had landed him in trouble. Indeed, the literary formula of once and twice meant a confession that he had said too much already. We find ourselves in that situation sometimes, don't we? We get to the point where he says, Oops, I know I've said too much. Well, Job found himself in that situation with God. Question number two. When have you struggled to understand difficult circumstances in your life? Anybody ever had that experience? I think we all do. I think, <laughs> as children, we all do mm-hmm. at different time to another. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I may experience it today. Someone else may experience it tomorrow. Someone else which yet experiences another day. Mm-hmm. We all experience it at one time or another. Yes. Okay, difficult situations or circumstances in our life. Next we will see more of God's answer to Job in the form of more questions. So now God is ask, asking the questions. The next passage is uh, verses 6 to 8. Who want to take that one? Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Get ready to answer me like a man. When I question you, you will inform me. Would you really challenge my justice? Would you declare me guilty to justify yourself? Go on. Next page. Job had given a very humble response to God, and yet God was not through losing the job. Job, rather. When I was a teenager, I would tell my parents, okay, I understand, just stop the lecture. Hmm. My attitude was much less reverent than Job's in this passage. I can't help but wonder if Job was ready for the lecture to stop. But God's questioning went in a different direction. God did not take Job to test or inquiring about his suffering. The tissue of Job had accused God of acting unjustly, which is Really challenge my justice? Would you 
unjust and can do nothing unjust. As we consider suffering and all that is entails, we must be careful not to pray God or question his nature. He is God. He created the heavens and the earth. We are the creation and not the who are we to question God's will and his ways? God is big enough to handle our questions, but as we approach him, we must come in humility and trust, not with pride and arrogance. I get this, had to learn the hard way that pride and arrogance are not my friends. When I arrived late to English class in my junior high year, my junior year of high school, I walked in right as the tardy bell rang. This was my third time of getting late, and my teacher <coughs> the dreaded right up form. I was a good kid, and I knew she liked me, yet I had it. I had challenged the authority of my matter. That prideful arrogance won me in an in-school session. <coughs> where I spent two days enjoying a freezing cold classroom where no one was allowed to talk all day. My teacher liked me, but she still had a job to do. I learned my place, apologized to her, and moved on, moved on in little groups for a better person. When we have questions about our circumstances, take those questions to God. But keep in mind those three things. God is greater than us. Once Job had a glimpse of the bigness and majesty of God and put his understanding of our own life in suffering and perfection. Job replied to God's questions, not with the answers, but with the God is more knowledgeable than we are. Job's response in verse 4 was perfect. How can I answer you? Of course he cannot, and neither can we. Things happen in our lives, good and bad, that we simply cannot understand. It is best to approach God with humility and trust his wisdom and his love. God is just in his God is just in everything he does. God asks two powerful questions. Will you really challenge my justice? Would you declare me guilty to justify yourself? This was more a declaration than a series of inquiries to Job. Job had no grounds for challenging God's justice. Well in the throes of suffering that can be easy to think God is not just. God is just, perfectly just. It is our lack of understanding, knowledge, and perspective that limits our ability to see clearly. Okay, thank you. Notice, uh, as we look at those, that passage, I want you to remind you of the meanings of, go, of, of God's challenge to Job. A couple of things. God's challenge was direct and authoritative. God doesn't beat around the bush, right? He told Job to get ready to respond like a man. <laughs> when do we hear a statement like that? 
almost every day. When someone thinks that they know everything, right? Yeah. When someone more or less acts beside themselves, and the person would say, now speak up like a man, or stand up like a man, all right? Well, God uses that expression with Job. Get ready to respond like a man. Note the sense of irony. Prepare for battle. Being on the defensive against his friends was one thing. Defending themselves against the Almighty God would be an entirely different matter altogether. He was on a different plateau when it came to defending himself against God. His friends, different issue. And then uh, we also notice that Job had asked for his opportunity to go toe-to-toe with God. Now he would have his opportunity. Be careful what you ask for. Just might get it. Well, Job got it. He spoke without thinking. And now God has called him into account. And then we also notice Job invited God to inform him about how the world really worked. The wording indicates the relationship between a teacher and a student. And then we notice some a uh, couple of things from verse 8. Some insights from verse 8. God asked Job if he really was prepared to challenge his justice. Even in his ignorance, Job had essentially done that by ranting against his suffering and God's apparent silence. We see that sometimes when a person doesn't get the kind of response that they want, and they just keep going on and on and on and on. But Job did that with God. God wanted to know if Job was ready to declare me guilty or justify himself. Job's defense on his own integrity had become an indictment against God's integrity. He had called God's morality into question in an attempt to protect his own morality. In other words, Job let his friends, what we call, let me see the phrase we use today. Job allowed his friends to run him up on brakes. We had an expression a lot, right? To cause him to get in trouble. Say what he shouldn't say. His friends peppered him, in essence, to give God this kind of response. But then uh, we can learn a couple of things uh, from Job's encounter with, with, with God. As we saw in verses in the passage, uh, three things on page uh, 122 uh, to 123, and that is God is greater than us. You always need to remember that, be mindful of that, and that is God is more knowledgeable than we are. God knows more than we do. And God is just in every single thing that he does. There's never a time that God is unjust. But sometimes we think the opposite, don't we? Sometimes we think that God is not as great as he says he is. Our actions and our response uh, says so. And then sometimes our action and response tell us... uh, cause us to think that God is not more knowledgeable than we are. We know more. We ask God questions as if to say, well, haven't you thought about this? Or what about that? As if he doesn't know everything or he's not more knowledgeable. And then we also question God's justice. When we question what we're going through and how we're suffering. Uh, Without remember. 
being mindful of the fact that God is just in every single thing that he does. It's against God's nature to be unjust. That's just not him. If God ever became unjust, he wouldn't be God. And so we need to remember that. That's what Job remembered. So we see quite a change uh, in Job from the man he was when God first spoke to him, right? In, verse th- in, in chapter 38. Job discovered some things about God. Let's go to Job, uh, last passage. Uh, 42 verses 1 to 6. Mm-hmm. What has helped you grow in your understanding of God's work? Okay, let's talk to question 3. Um, in my analyzing all of this disturbing, mm-hmm. um, God has spoken to all of us when he declared further in another passage of the Bible that we are nothing and less than nothing without him. Mm-hmm. Uh, all of this is being explained in this book of Job. He mm-hmm. is explaining to Job, you are nothing and less than nothing without me. And you could do nothing without me. That is what has caused me to grow in my Christian life. As I reflect upon the history of my life, everything that has been accomplished in my life from a child up to now has been accomplished by God. Mm-hmm. And I see myself as being nothing and less than nothing without Him. And that I could do nothing without Him. And that should be what is being explained in the life of Job. Um, has been explained in our lives daily. We are nothing and less than nothing without Him, mm-hmm. and we can do nothing without Him. We are helpless. Absolutely. Anybody else on question three? What has helped you grow in your understanding of God's work? Hearing about other people's. Um, difficult or challenging situations that God has brought them through. Mm. See how God worked in their lives and in my life and in our our lives as a family to see how God has worked out things when things looked really hard or mm-hmm. terrible and to see how God used that to teach us more trust and deeper trust and faith in Him. Mm-hmm. And um, that his character was steadfast as well. Mm-hmm. Okay, very good. Okay, let's look at the other passage. Uh, 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 Job 42, 1 to 6. Last one. Who want to take that one? Then Job replied to you. Know that you can do anything, and no plan of yours can be thwarted. You ask, Who is this who has seen my constant ignorance? Surely I spoke about things I did not understand, things too wondrous for me to know. You said, This man, 
I speak. When I question you, you will inform me. I have heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. Therefore, I reject my words and my sorry for them. I am dust and I am Okay. We see quite a change in from the man the Lord when God first spoke to him in Job 38. Job now understood how wrong his accusations were towards God. He came to the right conclusion that God is more significant or knowledgeable and more just than he was. Job was now fully understood God's sovereignty. God can do anything in his eyes, and no human on earth can throw his plan, God's plan. Job now understood just how ignorant he was before the world. Job previously had some general ideas about the ways and purposes of God. But after God spoke to him, he understood with more much more clearly. I have heard reports about you, but now my eyes have seen you. This new understanding will flow to repent. Therefore, I reject my words and my, I'm sorry for them. I am dust and ashes. This was an expression of the deepest level of humility and contrition. His words carried a willingness to learn the ways of God and to restate his own humanity before a mighty and holy God. Job's experience with suffering led to deeper relationship with God and the we, we likewise should let our own hardships serve as a path to a deeper relationship with God. Beloved, I am being shifted. Told God permitted the enemy to arm the full scale attack against him. God knows what he says. He isn't looking behind him. And he is not being moved. Maybe this is the only way he will. He can get you to attend to the poor so he can do something more. We must be careful to keep in mind who God is and who we are. We must never forget that God is trustworthy and good. He is right and just. And when we come before Him with this attitude, it produces worship and peace. Yeah, continue. That many require that many require repentance on our part, just as it did for you. Throughout, he would maintain he had done nothing wrong. But now he realized his sin was his presumptuousness towards God. So he repented. Repentance never yield a bad outcome. Repentance frees us to live with God as He desires. Years after my prideful action towards my English teacher, I became a teacher myself. My first teaching position was years in the 
Some Charles Spurgeon's quote, the door of repentance opens into the hall of joy. You feel good, in other words, when you repent. Now notice some things Job discovered about God, uh, as we see on, on, on uh, page 124. Job now understood how wrong his accusations were toward God. He came to the light, to the right conclusion that God is more significant, more knowledgeable, and more just than he was. And then Job now fully understood God's sovereignty. God can do anything he desires, and no human on earth can thwart his plans. In other words, God can do whatever he feels like doing, and nobody on earth can do nothing about it. Okay? Now Job understood just how ignorant he was before the Lord. And wasn't telling his encounter with God that he understood these things. But notice uh, some things about Job's response to God. He stated that God can do anything. This was a statement of God's power and his sovereignty. Trump thinks he can do the same thing. <laughs> and that's why he's being impeached. No plan he creates can be thwarted. His plans are perfect and cannot be defeated. Nothing could, could defeat God's plans. And then thirdly, Job responded to God's question. Who is this who conceals my counsel with ignorance? By admitting that he spoke about things that he did not understand and things too wondrous for him to know. So Job came to his senses. Uh, Job thought he knew God well. He had heard stories about what God was like. Now Job had seen God. The Hebrew word implies more than a physical sight of a whirlwind. Instead, it describes an understanding that wasn't there before. This is what Job's encounter was. This is what Job come, came to, to terms with. Question number four. When, was God, when has God proven his trustworthiness to you in the midst of suffering? going through some tough, difficult trials, and God proves his trustworthiness in the midst of that. Anybody had that experience? Yes. <clears throat> that is, um, I guess when the rubber meets the road, and the light comes up on the screen, and there is no other pathway to go, mm. you come to reality how insignificant you are how powerful he is mm -hmm. because he knows your frame and therefore his presence is very very much felt 
and he shows you basically what his power is like. Mm -hmm. Come through believing that he is the supreme and you are just the dust. Mm -hmm. So therefore you you really you seize him because he, he comes to you in his own way. It's not a myth. It's not it's facts. Mm -hmm. And therefore you have a revival within your spirit that you have been in the presence of the Holy God and therefore all depressions, all fears, everything is removed and therefore you are in the world but not of the world. So you know that His presence is always with you regardless whatever the situation you are in, He is there. That's a proven fact that shows you breathing through your nostrils this morning. Okay, and you just answered the question number five in that too. <laughs> you just answered question number five. What can we learn from Job about how to wrestle with questions of suffering? You just answered that. Notice what the point is. What is the point? Okay, no matter how much we don't understand God's actions, we can trust him because he always knows what he's doing. Sometimes we go to people to get problem solving. We have to conclude, man, he know what he's doing. He really don't know what he's doing. But God always knows what he's doing. Okay, so uh, we need to be honest about the questions that we have about life, pain, and suffering. And, uh, uh, and uh, understand that Answers to life's mysteries uh, come from God, and we get those answers by trusting God uh, in all that He does because He knows what He's doing and it's just. Let's look at how we're going to flesh this out on page 127. How you respond to God in the midst of your suffering is a choice. And we always have choices. First, trust. Even if you don't see how God is at work in your life, trust Him. Pray that He would strengthen your faith as you go through difficulty. Don't whine and grumble, complain. Trust Him. And then examine. Dig into scriptures to see what God has revealed about His nature and character. Choose, choose attributes of God for a deeper word. Choose, that should be choose, not chose. Choose attributes of God for deeper word studies. Be driven to know what God says about himself rather than relying on the opinions of others. You know sometimes people trust the opinions of others more than the word of God? Proclaim. Look for an opportunity to tell someone else why you trust God, even when walking on the road of suffering. Encourage others who are also suffering. Okay? Let's close in prayer. Time is gone. Father, help us to trust you when we cannot understand the suffering we see and experience in our lives. Take us from this place today and help us to be mindful to make these principles uh, active in our lives as we go forward and face the challenges that come in the form of sufferings. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, Amen.